Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Burrow bouncing in the pocket. His throw caught at the 10-yard line. T. Higgins straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a T.D. Hello and welcome to episode 147 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons. If you're listening to this for the first time, you're very welcome indeed. What a time to be alive. What a time to be listening to podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. We're five and two. We absolutely mullered, shellacked, abused, violated, ran over, pulled their pants down. We beat the Ravens in Baltimore, 41-17. I'm Cocker Hoop. I'm not on Paul Hirons, but uh, with me, who I'm sure is uh, also uh, Cocker Hoop, or perhaps just a cock, we'll see. It's Nathan Palmer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, my goodness, son. Bloody hell, eh? I mean, me and you have been doing this for a long time, but I, this is probably the most giddy that I've felt with a win. I mean, what an absolute display you go into Baltimore and you just like you said like no one was expecting that to drop 40 on them absolutely throttle them like that no one was expecting Mm. it you can say you might have thought they'd win but not in a manner of fashion like that I mean it's disgusting in an entirely lovely delicious way I would say yeah you're right I mean goodness me what a performance especially in that second half and uh, five and two, and people are talking about Super Bowl contenders and all sorts. Nathan, what? <laughs> what, what, what are you saying? I mean, uh, I mean, it's definitely the biggest win we've had. In, yeah. I reckon since that Seattle game. I was trying to think earlier today. Yeah. Like, what's the biggest win we've had that sort of matches that? And there's no doubt that that's for me the biggest win since that Seattle game where we went five and zero and. You know, we came back, and obviously Seattle are a really good team, and that felt then like a statement to go five and zero. Oh. But I mean, for us to go five and two away from home against the Ravens, who were five and one themselves at the time, I mean, we talked about Zach not winning road games, not winning big games, not beating good teams, and he's ticked every box there. And not only to do it with a grind out win, but to just absolutely lay down a sort of twenty twenty five point margin there. I mean, it's outrageous win and. Everyone's taken notice. Every single man, woman, and his dog on Twitter is talking about the Bengals. They're saying, oh, look, you've got to watch out for the Bengals. They're for real. Goodness me, what a statement. And w- what a time to be alive, my son. Uh, I, I think you're right, though, because I was thinking that as well. Because uh, I, I thought, what was the biggest one we've had for the, in the past sort of 10 years? And I do I th- think you've got to go back to the Seattle game, maybe Pittsburgh away in the early 2010s to clinch the division against a good Pittsburgh team. But definitely that Seattle game. And last year, maybe the Titans at home. It didn't mean a lot, though, did it? That no, was when we were that's sort of right, like that's right. mucking about, and like you know, it was a good win. There's no doubt it's a good win, but like, there's a it's different when you're in contention and it's a division rival. And Tennessee were fairly good last year, and that certainly felt like a step forward for us. But it's nothing, nothing on the bollocks of this. 
Yes, uh, it is. It was an extraordinary performance, an extraordinary game. Hats off. I think everyone is absolutely buzzing today. I mean, I could hardly get to sleep last night because of all the chit chat on Twitter and all the uh, the adrenaline coursing through me. And today's been an absolute breeze, you know what I mean? I've been on cloud nine, tripping a like fantastic, <laughs> surfing the wave of euphoria. And um, yeah, what a difference when the Bengals win. Eh? It gives everyone a lift, doesn't it? It really does. Sure. It's quite sad to say, but it really, really does. Especially after the last three or four years of real, real ineptitude. I think to, to all of a sudden come in and just start, I mean, it's a quick turnaround. We all thought at the, the end of last season, coming into this season, that we'd win between seven and nine games. I still wouldn't rule out nine, but certainly we thought we said, didn't we, a few times, you and I, to have a good season, a lot of things are going to have to go right this season mm. and fall on the right side of the line. And goodness me, have they. It's like the coin toss yeah, situation yeah. where we just keep winning the coin tosses. I think it's like 10 or 11, wasn't it, in a row that we had. It feels like that with, you know, the sort of the linebackers are going to have to play well. The O-line is going to have to be a lot better. Jamar Chase is going to have to be good very quickly. And goodness me, everything's falling in line, isn't it? Because it, it's really unusual for that to happen as well. You might want get one of one or two of those variables go your way. Yeah. But pretty much, you know, the, the the recruitment has been spot on. I mean, look at this. Uh, Chido 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 Awuje is now the fourth best cornerback in the league. Trey Hendrickson is like tied fourth yeah. for the most sacks in the league. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Riley Reef is posting seventy grade, seventy plus grades on PFF every week. You know, Jonah Williams is now healthy. Um, Joe Mixon looks energized and up for it and healthy and scoring touchdowns. Another one for Joe yesterday. Uh, everything has come together. I think we are we are farther down the pipe than we ever dreamt we would be. I think. 100%. And when we went one-on-one one against the Chicago Bears, a lot of people were throwing the toys out the pram and there was panic stations and it was a game that we really, and even now, 100% should have won. But we felt there wasn't enough progress. But it's, it's funny how sort of four weeks in the NFL, five weeks in the NFL can really change the narrative because you look at it now and, I mean, people people are really starting to sort of like, take their trousers down now. I mean, it's become a bit of a... <laughs> Speak for yourself, it, mate. <laughs> but it really, I think mean, people are starting to, you know, see the see the gold in the distance. Do you know what I mean? It, it really is. You're five and two, top of the division, number one seed in the AFC, and you know we're not halfway yet. So again, I'd yes. I'd just temper that excitement a bit. But I mean, you've got an exciting rookie like Jamar Chase playing like an all-world standard at the moment. Again, no one could have predicted this level of quality from Chase. You maybe would have said that he'd you know, be in the shout for the offensive rookie of the year. You wouldn't say he'd be in the shout. I mean, he's getting his name in the shout for, you know, generally that the MVP of the league, the way he's played in the mm, last, mm. you know, the last couple of games. So just extraordinary. And as you said before, we're getting value from everywhere. I mean, what a recruitment from the Bengals to go out there and get all of these players. You talk about Cheeto, he's been incredible. Mike Hilton has been incredible. Hendrickson has been incredible. DJ Reader has stepped up this year. He was the big acquisition last year. Didn't play a full season. He's playing excellently in the middle there. Oh, Larry Joby, yeah, really you know, nice. has been excellent as well. They've all stayed healthy, which is, again, just something that we've not been able to get with free agents. You go out 
out there. You pay money for these guys. You pay decent money for these guys. They can never stay healthy historically. And this year, they're all healthy. The chemistry and the leadership, I think, is another thing on these guys. They all come across as very strong, confident leaders in the locker room. Whenever you listen to an interview with any of them, they always come across as very professional. It just looks like a unit that's playing with an enormous amount of confidence. And my worry coming into the season was how they're going to gel. There's so many new guys on that defensive line. It's a completely different looking unit than it was a year ago. How long is it going to take them to learn the system, play well together, get the most out of each other? And goodness me, I mean, it's like they've been playing together for four years. It's it's yeah. really, it's you've got to give a ton of credit to to old Luan Arumu. Yeah, and they're all all like really likable young men as well. Like they all come across really, really well. And uh, which segues neatly into telling you about our guest today. We've got uh, the brilliant. Uh, Director of Communications at uh, Paul Brown Stadium, Emily Parker. I've known Emily for about five years and she's not been on this podcast before. That's weird. But anyway, she remedies that and uh, we we managed to get like 20 minutes or so with her. Of course, Emily is one of the architects uh, behind the scenes of the new era, the new openness, the 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 big engagement, the, the big re-engagement, I should say, with fans, getting Paul Brown Stadium full again, enhancing the game day experience, you know, and it's just, there's a breath of fresh air kind of blowing through the, the bowels of Paul Brown Stadium and, and uh, Emily is one of the reasons for that and it's, uh, she says a lot of interesting things because um, I was going to focus on the fact that it, this week, in a couple of days' time, on the 27th of October... The 26th and the 27th, what were you doing five years ago, Nathan? I imagine that was the um, the game against the football team, wasn't it, in London, down That's at Wembley? Right. That's right. And we were there in the Admiralty. It was five years ago. I was all down for celebrating that, but and I will, because uh, Emily and I talk uh, quite, uh, quite at length about that first trip to London. And she also says a few interesting things about going forward in terms of international games and the relationship the club has with uh, international games so do stick around for that um but we really need to talk about that performance yesterday and we're going to do our reaction in a slightly different way uh this week we brought back i think it's time isn't it nathan i think it is time we we brought back the bengals wheel of fortune right uh let's spin the wheel go on the wheel Right, uh, well, it's fallen on Jamar Chase. Uh, right, uh, Jamar Chase is the first player since the NFL merger to have 50-plus receiving yards in each of his first seven career games. He's uh, He's got 754 yards this season, the most in NFL history in a player's first seven career games, surpassing Anquan Bolden in 2003. Have a bit of that. How about it? Um, what a 201 yards, and not only 201 yards, which would be like a mega day for any wide receiver in the NFL, but he was playing against one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and he left him for dust. I mean, it's become out, slightly outrageous, isn't it? And I always think with any rookie or anyone that's new to the team, they have some good games, three, four, five games. It's exciting. You don't want to start proclaiming them as you know, anything too silly. But for me yesterday, that just blew my nut off, really. I just thought, good God, like, I mean, when he wriggled out of that that tackle with those three geezers, it was like pressing the O button on Madden. He just sort of spun in between them. 
And then he was just gone. And he, he's a funny player, Chase, because when we drafted him, I watched all his videos, LSU, and you're looking at him and stuff, and he's not a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guy that's, you know, like an AJ Green that's going to go up and win these jump balls. He's not necessarily the quickest guy on the team. And you sort of had a hard time being like, what what really is he? He's, he's a bit of everything. He's a great route runner and whatever else. But he just... He just seems to do everything so well, doesn't he? He creates separation. His hands are fantastic, would you believe? Um, he just speed is it's not necessarily elite, but he can just break away from people easily. He makes good contested catches. He just looks like such a complete receiver. And I think Wink Martindale, the Ravens, um, the Ravens uh, defensive coordinator, mm. described him as like a mix between, I think he said Deshaun Jackson and I can't remember a slightly bigger bodied receiver, but sort of that mix of sort of um, of two players. And it was a really interesting comparison, but you could tell he was just like, look, this is the guy we're going to try and um, stop this week. We know he's the biggest threat. And you put, was it Marlon Humphrey on him? Who's mm. the Ravens best guy. I don't think he's given All up. Pro. All than- pro guy. Yeah, not giving up hardly 100 yards to anyone around the league. Gives up 200 to chase. And you just think, I mean, Humphrey came out after the game and he was just, look, look, hands up. Like, my job was to stop him and I didn't. And for a rookie, I mean, it's just unheard of. I mean, AJ Green had a cracking rookie year and you thought, wow, like him and Andy Dalton really hooked up. And Green, I think, maybe made the Pro Bowl that year and I think got over just over 1,000 yards. I mean, Chase is only about 250 yards short of that 1,000 mark and we're barely at that. We're not even at the halfway stage. So... I mean, it's just sickening, son. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm frothing at the mouth as I'm talking. It's just, it is outrageous behaviour. Yeah, it is, and I'm with you. I hate um, hyping, putting all my hopes onto one guy. I hate doing that. I didn't want to do it with Burrow because we know what the NFL's like. Some yeah, players yeah, take yeah. to it really quickly. Some players, it takes a while for them to mentally get, uh, get into it. You know, and yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to label Joe Burrow a savior. I didn't want to label Jamar Chase uh, a savior. Would he add to our offense for sure? And um, I honestly thought, you know, going back to when we were talking last year, as many listeners will know, I honestly thought, you know, if this guy gets sort of, you know, fifty targets, seven hundred yards, that's a good season. I mean, he's looking to get sort of eighty catches and about fifteen hundred at the moment. It's incredible, and then some, maybe. I don't know. But what's impressed me, I think, when I really sat up and t- took notice was that Pittsburgh touchdown. Um, when he seemed to just have like a, a final burst to just, I don't know, it was weird. He was just sort of, co- he's a very smooth athlete, isn't he? And then Yeah, that's a good word from smooth. I and think he, and good- I think it masks his explosiveness. Um, but again, in, in that Pittsburgh game, when he sort of stretched out his arms and caught the, the ball almost on his fingertips, really, um, there was a burst from nowhere, and you just think, "Oh, hello there! Yeah, Where yeah, did that yeah, come from?" Yeah. And there was a catch as we were driving towards the end of the first half yesterday, when uh, it was like you know an intermediate cut. It was a first down. It got us down deep into Ravens territory, and he just put the afterburners on and just like left like Humphrey and a couple of other guys for dead and managed to get yeah. out of bounds and we got a field goal and went into the half 13-10 up. And I just thought, oh, he's actually a lot quicker than he kind of looks. You know, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, 100%. And then, of course, the touchdown, that ridiculous, as Kevin Harlan called it, he's in a blender, he's in a blender and he's away. Um, um, that kind of, you know, he, he laid a Lamar Jackson move on the secondary there um, of his own. But that demonstrate if that previous play demonstrated his speed, this play, I think, demonstrated his lower body strength. He's got he's got almost like running back's legs. You know, they're quite thick. Yeah. God. Yeah, he's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's good. Oh, yes, he's good. It's just yeah, it's crazy. He's good. He's good. It, it, it's crazy as well because like even last season with Joe Boy and certainly the season before that with Andy Dalton, we just didn't have any big playability. None. No, I right. mean, it was non-existent and you could count on one hand across those two seasons any big, exciting plays. And within seven games, the amount we've had, and it's not just uh, Jamar Chase. I, mean, I think he certainly contributes towards it with him able to stretch the field and they have to give him some respect. But you got CJ Uzama down there yeah, catching 40-yard yeah. touchdown pass He's like throwing cornerbacks to one side. And all of a sudden, Joe Boy seems to have stepped up and nailed this deep ball game. And it's such a threat now for the Bengals to that we, you know, we can beat you over the top. It helps out the run game. It helps out the balls underneath. And it's frankly, as a fan, just damn more exciting to be able to do something like that. And ah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that we're not grinding these wins out, you know, with sort of scrappy play on the ground. And obviously the defense is playing well, we'll get to them. But we are doing it with some pretty high octane balls over the top, exciting deep plays, um, great catches on the sidelines. I mean, it's been it's been entertaining, certainly. And it was bloody entertaining yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Incredible scenes, really. Let's spin that wheel again. Go on, Sam, give it a good spin. Right, it's come up. The coaches. Wow. Um, I think Zach Taylor called pretty much a perfect game yesterday. Uh, and we're starting to see a lot more invention now. Um, once they get the running game going a little bit, they can do some more play action. There's a lot more kind of motion and deception. And that uh, CJ Uzama touchdown, I think, where... There was almost like they faked the screen where Tyler Boyd ran out to the right. And I'm not kidding. Something like four Ravens defenders absolutely swarmed. And they just thought their eyes widened. They thought, well, we're going to knock this guy here. Here we go. And it was like, oh, uh, oh, dear. He's throwing the ball to Yuzama. And Yuzama's just like powered his way through. One defender left and he's in. The play designs are really nice now, and I think there's, yeah. a, there's a there's a sense that it's starting to come together, executing. They're really, and of course, playing with confidence helps. But uh, and I think you know there's a great of understanding about what what each other's doing and what they can do and can't do. I think Zach had a really good game yesterday and had actually a really good game in Detroit as well. I couldn't agree more. And uh, Zach Taylor at one and one was in so much hot water. I mean, his seat was burning hot after two pretty awful years. And a lot of people were thinking, we're not making enough progress here. He's had a lot of time. He's had three good off seasons, three high draft picks. We've spent 200 million on that defense. We need some results. And I mean, the last five games, 
we've seen that we've seen that progress we've seen the game planning be better we've seen the time management be better we've seen some extraordinary performances across all three uh, elements of the team and this is what everyone was gasping for and all of a sudden their their thirst has been quenched because it's been excellent and I think yesterday I got you know how much I rate John Harbar and they've gone in there they've out they've out game planned out schemed the Ravens and it's an extraordinary performance from the Bengals to and go how, in there and how sweet must it be for those guys after being yeah. out coached last season the year before I don't think yeah. they knew what hit them when they went when they went into Baltimore um yeah. and it yeah, is, that must very, be very sweet for those guys. Yeah, know? and it's so interesting with Zach Taylor as well. And by no means because we've you know we've been pretty good for the last uh, four or five games, does that mean that you, that's it and Zach Taylor's the coach of the Bengals for sure? I mean he's certainly turn things around and he you know if I was Zach Taylor I'd be walking around shirtless around the the complex (laughs) that's how confident I'd be feeling after the way that they've played in the last four or five games because he's completely turned it on its head but the thing with Taylor is he's such a young coach and he was so inexperienced when he came in he hadn't even had a proper coordinator role before um, in the NFL and he comes in and you look at him and you give him two years and it's hard for fans the ownership whoever's judging him on his performance to say look is this guy just learning? He's going to be good, but you can't expect him in his rookie yeah, first season yeah. to be quality. Maybe not even in his second season, but in the third season, you've got to make a call. As to, is this guy just learning and going to be really, really good at some point? But he, it, you know, it takes time. He's not got the team, blah, blah, blah. Or is he not a good coach? And just because everyone's young, I mean, I'm 31, but it doesn't mean if you give me an NFL role, Nathan's only 31, let's give him a full season because he's, he's learning. It's like, but Zach Taylor, we didn't see a lot. I think now you're just starting to see that experience. That and I think, and I think it's all to, all to do with the players to... that he's had as well. He's not had the players. Yeah. He hasn't really got started, really. Um, but yeah, I think credit is due to him just because oh, he so has, much. has taken so much flack. And um, he's obviously a great guy. And uh, he's obviously been on this podcast before. Um and uh, I think, you know, pleased for him on a human point of view, but also oh, just pleased for the team. You know, they look as though they're playing with so much confidence and a little bit more invention now, which I kind of like. Um, and, we, and we should also mention Lou as well, because, oh. you know, there's another guy who was sitting on the hottest of hot seats. And yeah, yeah. again, finally, he's got the players in that he can do some stuff with. You know, they keep yeah. talking about high motor guys, high character guys. Uh, guys that will love football, who want to come in and play for the team, and no mm. doubt referencing uh, you know who and a couple of others yeah. from previous yeah. regimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lou is dialing up blitzes and they're working. Uh, he's employing multiple fronts and it's working. He's even like, you know, he's. I honestly thought yesterday that they would be blitzing from the slot and the and the corner positions. Like they did last year, they didn't. What they did last yesterday was just kind of rely on really good coverage on the back end and yeah. a good pass rush, and that was kind of all that was needed, really. When I say that, a I mean, good pass rush, just rushing, uh, rushing four men as well. That was yeah. the key thing. They didn't. They didn't need to be throwing five, six, seven people at Lamar Jackson to get pressure, and that's that's the recipe. I think if you can get pressure with yeah. four men, drop the rest into coverage, it gives him a headache. You know, he's got to move around. Yeah. There's not yeah. going to be as many opportunities down the field, and they executed perfectly on that. And they they blitzed at the right times and got pressure at the right times. And like you said, full credit to 
to old Lou. Go on, Lou. Uh, right, let's let's give the the wheel another spin. Right, it's a segue nicer actually. The wheel has obviously been listening to our conversation. The pass rush. Um, uh, but I think with the pass rush, you've got to mention the coverage on the back end because you know, it, it, yeah. you know, if, if players are wide open, then a quarterback's going to pick you apart all the time. It sounds like an obvious thing to say, but if players are covered on the back end, and someone like Akeem Davis Gaither or you know Mike Hilton is covering nicely in the slot and tight ends and whatnot, uh, then it's kind of open season for your pass rushers and. Trey Hendrickson, brilliant this year, worth every penny. Uh, another sack yesterday. Old Mother Hubbard, what a game from him yesterday. Two and a half sacks. Uh, a batted down pass as well. He was like all over. I think Trey. I think I'm right in saying that Trey Hendrickson leads the league in uh, quarterback pressures. He's four tied fourth for the amount of sacks, but he he's out there in front on quarterback pressures. That is, I mean, Ogan Joby, fantastic, as you mentioned. You know, Cam Sample chipping in. Um, BJ Hill as well. I mean, it is night and day from last year. I think this, to me, this is actually the biggest turnaround of the whole team. You can talk about the offense and how good Chase and Borrow and Mixon, etc. are. But this unit, I think, has been extraordinary this, this season so far. I think in defence in general, I mean, you were talking earlier about the coverage. I mean, the coverage for me, I think, has been the most improved. That was a, a liability the last couple of years. And Mike Hilton and Cheeto have just come in and just they're complementing Jesse Bates and Von Bell so well. And as a secondary, if you to include all of them in that, they just don't give up big plays very easily. You're always going to give up the odd one. And yesterday there was obviously that big one, you know, beautiful catch and fair play, beautiful ball by Lamar that got that big touchdown um, to Brown. But they they just played so well again. So in the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, you've got to cover for so long because he's going to hold the ball. He's going to run around. You've got to keep following these guys around. Brown's very quick. Mark Andrews is an incredibly um, quality possession uh, tight end, so strong and, you know, it always mm. seems to become open. So... You know, and obviously they've got Rashad Bateman as well that's um, come in there, the rookie. So they've got some weapons certainly there, the Ravens. And you just think for our secondary to do that sort of job yesterday, I think Lamar Jackson sacked five times. I think that's the most in his career that he's been sacked. And he only got <laughs> 255 yards passing, you know, for all of everything he did yesterday at home to shut him down to that, less than 100 yards mm. rushing. What a performance across the board. Absolutely. Right, let's give the wheel uh, a final spin. Right, it's come up with the quarterback, Joe Burrow. Um, it was a bit of a rocky start yesterday, actually. And, you know, they had some stuff to figure out. Baltimore were getting a lot of pressure on Joe and, and putting a lot of hits on him. And But again, he was only sacked once, so kudos to the offensive line in the end. Um, and, you know, apart from one dodgy throw, that interception in the second half... Um, he was just, I mean, 416 yards. That's the stuff of dreams, isn't it, really? Let's face it. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, he could be in the running for MVP if he carries on this kind of... It's certainly going to be the comeback player of the year, that's for sure. Um, yep. But, yeah, I just loved his poise. I loved his kind of... 
his composure, which I guess is the same thing as poise, really, but um, his ability to read things. And you could just tell that he had learnt himself uh, what Baltimore were all about from last year. And he just picked him apart, really. I mean, he was he was on target. He was on the money, throwing with good velocity, good confidence. And he was brilliant yesterday. I thought absolutely brilliant. He was moving around a little bit as well. He wasn't actually. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't need to scramble too much. There was one or two plays in that first half where he had to get away from a couple of uh, rushes. Uh, but really, he didn't really have to kind of scramble too much. He 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 looked like a man uh, completely and utterly in control yesterday. And wow, fantastic. 100%. And I think the start of the season we were talking about, is there a pitch count in place? Are they trying to limit what he does? And it does feel like the offense has changed in the last couple of weeks to be much more pass heavy. I mean, they did run the ball a bit yesterday, certainly at the end, obviously, to sort of milk out the clock. But I mean, it, it really feels like they're happy now to put the ball in his hands and get it out. And like you said, they're not necessarily running him as much, but there's a couple of beautiful plays yesterday where he just uses mobility to just evade a couple of defenders, extend the play a bit and move the ball downfield. And his decision making was impeccable yesterday. The only the only criticism you'd say is it was a very ugly interception when we were up yeah, by yeah. I think we were up by ten. You know, worst case scenario there, throw the ball out of out of bounds, take the field goal. You know, thirteen points on the road, make them score two touchdowns. That was the one thing I would say. But you know, you can afford a mistake like that when you're tossing these big touchdown passes down the field. Like his accuracy definitely feels like it's improved. His deep balls ten times better. His leadership's always incredible and that offense is is humming you know they're excited and i still think they're not they're getting there but i still think they've got an extra gear i still think that the the more chase plays i mean chase has only played seven nfl games in his career he didn't play last year joe mixon i think still not 100 percent fit with that ankle i think he'll hopefully get better and better and get more involved and um, continue playing as he's been playing. And I think Joe Boy, you know, he's only going to be getting more confident on his knee and on his range of movement. You know, the longer that he heals and gets a bit more experience as he goes and plays these teams for the second time. And I mean, it's, it is a frightening prospect. If they can just stay healthy, which at the moment, again, touch wood, they are. I mean, it's, it's a formidable offense and obviously led by his captain with Joe Boy. And wow, I mean, we, we're lucky, aren't we? Yeah, very much so. And they flashed this, haven't they? Even at times last year, the offence looked as though no one could stop them. But it was just, it's just a case of consistency from here on in. And they did look... I think they've over the past two games, they've not been without their problems. They, ter- they tend to kind of turn it on in the second half after yeah. a quiet-ish first half. I do like the fact that they're trying to establish the run because... That kind of sets you up for all kinds of play actions, and you know makes the makes the defense a bit honest. But you're right; they're obviously more dangerous when they when they. Well, when they, they the, the run game, it. I mean, really came alive sort of in the, the second half yesterday. There was that really good mix and run for the touchdown, which was very well timed. And then P Ryan's uh, long run, full credit to him. I mean, he just found a huge gap yeah. in the defense and just shredded through it. So mm. the stats looked inflated. I mean, if you looked at the stats on the running game, maybe going into that third quarter, about 30, 40 yards. I mean, they, they really 
bottled mixing up and pee Ryan up for the first bit, but then yeah, they sort of yeah. came alive at the end. And that's what you can do, I guess. It's almost setting up the pass to set the run up, whereas in the back in the day, exactly. it was like run the ball to yeah. set the pass up. And yeah. that's why I think it worked so well. So full credit um, to the offensive game planning, Callahan and Zach Taylor doing a, a really nice job there. Um, um, oh, but, yeah. I think I should mention, give a special mention to Trey Hopkins, who has been pretty yeah. up and down and that's being kind uh, but he was excellent yesterday after a, again a bit of a bit of a you know rocky start but he was excellent yesterday earned a really good pff grade and eli apple check this out uh from weeks one to three he scored a 36.5 uh pff grade from weeks four to seven he's now 67.6 um and uh, according to uh, Joe Goodbury, he's been targeted just six times in the last four weeks. Uh, Cheeto's been getting all the all the targets, and he's let only 18 receptions for 170 yards. Um, he's been targeted more per snap than any corner in the NFL. Um, and he's, I say Cheeto is the fourth best cornerback in the league at the moment. But yeah, special mention to Eli. I think we did see him targeted in those first couple of weeks. But in the last, I don't know what they're doing, whether, whether they are, as Joe said, they are funneling um, somehow towards Cheeto more. But, uh, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention Apple because it's easy to slag him off. But um, he's had a good couple of weeks, I think. He's been pretty solid. Right, that's the end of Wheel of Fortune. Let's hope we don't have to bring out the Wheel of Misfortune now any time soon. Um, uh, but yeah, let's let's get to Emily. Uh, sit back and relax. We've got 25 minutes with the brilliant Emily Parker. And now, as promised, uh, we have, for the first time on this podcast, and I can't quite believe that, because uh, I've known her for five years, it's Director of Communications, Emily Parker. Emily, welcome to Cincinnati. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on today. Now, um, you've probably seen us wittering on social media that um, uh, five years ago, well, we wanted to celebrate the five-year anniversary of the Bengals coming over for the first time. And we're not quite there yet. I think that's going to be in a couple of days' time, isn't it, towards the sort of middle of next, uh, well, we're recording this on the 20, and it doesn't matter when we're recording it. It all gets a bit kind of confused when it comes to podcasts. Um, but I wanted to get you on because you were an integral part of that experience five years ago. Um, this time five years ago, I guess you were packing your suitcase and preparing. Um, what was the feeling like within the building about coming over to London? I guess it was a bit of an unknown. Had you done your homework? Had you, because there's a lot of logistics to figure out and, you know, uh, it's a different experience to your usual game day Sunday, right? Yeah. And so I think when we got chosen to go to London, especially for the first time when it was a home game for us, we really wanted to embrace the opportunity and make it, be fun for all fans, both over in the UK, as well as fans from the US that might travel over there. And so there was a lot of logistics that went into it, but it was something that we went in and full heartedly embraced because we knew it was an amazing opportunity because we knew we had a fan base over there, but just to kind of broaden the, the reach of the Bengals, um, both here in Cincinnati, as well as abroad was just a great opportunity and something that we were really looking forward to. 
And before we get on to the actual events that happened over that weekend, because I, I think for those that were there, I'm talking from a British perspective, it really was a weekend that I don't think any of us will forget. It was unbelievable. As you know, we, we only get to watch games scattered around the country on laptops and on our own. We don't have the usual sports bars outside of the big cities. So uh, getting together as a fan base was just something incredibly special. But uh, when you touched down, were you aware of the fact that a lot of American fans had taken up the opportunity as well? Because I think I even I was surprised when I first went to the Admiralty on the Thursday night there, um, how many fans were there already? I mean, we you must have been delighted with the take-up locally. Yeah, and so with the way that these international games work is obviously they're designed to, uh, you know, appeal to the international crowd. And so you get a set number of tickets as one of the teams playing that you can, you know, sell to your fan base here locally. And we went through that allotment incredibly fast and went back to the league several times asking for more tickets. And so I think at the time when we went over for the first time, we were one of the top three or four teams in terms of tickets sold by a fan base. So we knew that the interest here from our fans in the U S was incredible just by the fact that we not only sold out of our original allotment, we went back to the league several times begging for more tickets to be able to help as many fans who wanted to go be able to have access to tickets. And so it was a tremendous turnout. And I think everybody that went over there had such a great time. And that's why many of them came back when we went to London a second time. Are you surprised by that? Because sometimes, you know, you get some people saying, man, they've taken a home game away from us. And it's a lot of money to come over to cross the pond. Um, you, were you surprised by the amount of people that that were really up for it? Yeah, I think that's why we really approached it as being such a positive thing for our fan base in general here locally as well as globally. And so I think with the amount of excitement around the game, it was just natural that people felt like, hey, I've got to be there in person to experience it. And I think it was more than just a game. And I think we'll touch on some of this stuff is there were so many activities around the game that really made it a amazing vacation for many people to take on top of being able to see the Bengals play over in Wembley. Now, um, I mentioned earlier that I came down to, um, I'd already hassled you on email, as, as is my want, on, a, <laughs> on a, an infrequent basis. But um, I came down to the Admiralty. I didn't know what to expect from the weekend. I was looking forward to it, obviously. But, you know, it was kind of, an, we were a relatively new fan group. So I don't know how we saw the weekend it was an opportunity it was just as an opportunity really to meet more fans from the uk and across the pond um we met each other on that thursday night um uh, i think it was you and bob beddinghouse and if maybe another person or two um what did you think when you walked through the doors of, of the admiralty and um did you immediately think, oh, this is going to be great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the crowd was spectacular. And I think it was something that as much as we hoped and thought that there might be a good crowd, the bar was packed mm. and it was packed on multiple levels and just so much of a fun environment of Bengals fans who knew each other, who were meeting for the first time 
it was just such an energetic crowd. And I think that's what I'll remember from being at the Admiralty those nights is just how excited everybody was and how much people were bonding over their love of the Bengals. And I think that, you know, that was just something that was a common place to bring everybody together. And it was, it was just a lot of fun and something that I think we all remember um, really being our home base during that, that weekend. Yeah. I remember, I mean, obviously I say we met on the Thursday night, right. And we had a, a nice chat and then really the Friday was when it all started to kind of kick off the remaining people from Cincinnati had sort of touched down. So they were in their hotels and uh, all the, you know, a lot of guys from, from our side of things had, had kind of come down for the weekend. And that Friday night, I think, will live long in the memory because I just remember looking out at this sea of Bengals fans uh, and, and just being almost, not overwhelmed, but kind of, you know, your heart, you almost got heart palpitations because it's like, wow, this is just amazing as you say the energy in the room the, the atmosphere was really great people meeting each other for the first time people meeting each other who they'd only known on social media and that for me is one of the pleasures of doing the fan group and also being part of a, a fandom like the Bengals and it must have made you feel the same could you believe it when you see saw the sea of people in that room yeah I think it was something that I'll always remember. And, you know, we've got such great, great fans and they travel to our, our road games. And so we see them on the road in addition to obviously the support we feel at home, but there was something different about that environment because there was a designated Bengals bar. Everybody knew that was going to be the spot to be. And just the party atmosphere was just something to remember. Um, you know, there was drinks and music and Ken Anderson was there and Huday was there and all kinds of fun stuff, Dave Lapham. And so there was just all kinds of energy for people to, to be excited about. And I think that that's something that I think we'll all remember is just, you know, a great time just to bring everybody together. Yeah. You mentioned the, the names that were there. I think a lot of people will, will empathize with me when I say that I was standing at the bar and I just looked to my left as you do. And I saw Ken Anderson and just looked ahead and then it was like, hold, hold on a minute, that's that's Ken Anderson. And of course he was handing out free, free beer tokens. Anthony Munoz was outside sort of holding court and talking to everyone. Lapham was around doing what Dave does so brilliantly. It was, it was just, uh, <laughs> it was just fantastic. And um, you mentioned all the events around the weekend. What were your particular I mean, we haven't even mentioned the game yet, but the the events, because th that happened again on Saturday night in the bar, but there were some events during the day and, you know, NFL sanctioned events. Um, what were your favourite parts of that weekend uh, that you remember, Emily? Yeah, so it was a crazy weekend and one in which I got very little sleep. We as the team were staying out near Wembley, but a lot of the activities that we were doing were in central London. So it basically took an hour to go back and forth. And so uh, when we landed, we immediately, the team went to practice and we had a play 60 event along with a lot of media obligations after practice on that Friday. Then there was the activities in the Bengals bar, in the Admiralty and all of that, that Friday night. And then on Saturday, there was a walkthrough 
that happened over at Wembley. And then there was an activity that happened at the NFL house with um, six of our players plus our head coach. And so with that and the Bengals were there. And so there was like a mini pep rally that happened. Then that night, we actually had a bunch of our corporate partners in town. And so there was an exclusive event at the Tower of London that was really cool that we got to experience a, a dinner and a tour um, that was a lot of fun in addition to then going back to the Admiralty. And so by the time we got to Sunday, we had been all over the place in terms of seeing all sorts of London, in terms of meeting with fans, meeting with just general NFL fans, um, entertaining corporate partners. But it was it was a fun experience. Um, oftentimes when you go to London the next week, you lead into your buy. That is a for sure uh, useful thing because you definitely need some time to recover with all of the the things that you do while you're there. In addition to the time change, but um, it's still a lot of fun and a lot of great memories. I'm so glad you got to see a little bit of London because you're working. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of NFL teams tend to fly in quite close to the game like on the Friday, I believe, uh, and then leave pretty much straight afterwards. So it is kind of in out almost military style you know so I am pleased that you got to see some of London did you when you came back in 2019 did you did you make time for any more stuff now that you knew the kind of routine and 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 what was going to happen did you make time to see a bit more of London yourself yeah so now the NFL has been playing games over in London for many years. They have streamlined some of the activities after getting feedback from teams in some ways of how draining it is for the players to have to go back and forth. And so we now only have to do the stuff on Friday. So basically everything took place after our practice and there was no longer the obligation to do um, the, the player related content on Saturday And so there was obviously the Admiralty came back both nights that we were there. We had some corporate partners, but we didn't, we, we basically took them to the bar versus doing a separate event. And so there was more time. Um, I actually saw the musical big while I was over there the last time. And so um, it was, it, it was, it's great. And I think now that they've kind of streamlined the, the responsibilities of the team, knowing Mm -hmm. that it is a business trip, we are there to play a game. Um, I think that that was something that was a lot more helpful this past time versus the the taxing media obligations we had the first time we went over. Um, we're going to jump forward to the present day in a second, but I just wanted to ask you, what was the feeling like after 2016 when you got back to Cincinnati? Was everyone kind of, well, there's a word that's used over buzzing. You know, it's were people kind of like, wow, that went better than we could have expected what was the feeling like uh, well, I mean I think Mike and the Brown family came over as well and th- everyone must have been kind of like wow that was just an incredible weekend did that really happen yeah and I think that's where with so many people they were like and obviously going back the second time as a road team was even better because then you didn't have to worry about missing a home game. Mm. Um, and so, and there's, there definitely are more obligations when you're the home team versus when you are the road team. Um, just given some of the, the way that, you know, the whole game and the game atmosphere work, but generally speaking, everybody, we got so much positive feedback that 
it was definitely the, the feedback was the next time the Bengals go, I'm going back. And that's why we saw so many people that had made the trip the first time. I think in some ways, what surprised me was how many people went a second time. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, sometimes you wonder if that perhaps was a one and done experience. And it was quite the opposite where people had had such a good time the first time that we, that they all wanted to go back the second time. And just moving things forward, um, it looks as though Germany is going to be added to the slate of international games. Cincinnati has German heritage. Um, but selfishly, we'd love you to come back to, to the UK. Uh, what, what's next for, for the Bengals in terms of international games? Is it just kind of a wait and see situation? Do you, do you make it known to the NFL that you would be open to playing abroad again? Or is it a case of you just have to wait for the NFL to come knocking? Yeah, I think we're all interested to see where this all goes with the addition of a 17th game. I think part of that was designed in looking at the international landscape, obviously coming off of COVID and last year, not playing international games this year, reintroducing them. I think there's still a lot that will play out in terms of how the league plans to approach international games, obviously the ones that currently exist and perhaps adding more to it. And so I think that'll be something that we'll find out more in the next six to 12 months in terms of what the league might have planned. But it's um, something that we read the news the same way you do, but don't really have any inside information on exactly what it's going to look like just yet. Well, you're welcome back anytime. You know that, Emily. Um, let's again, let's bring it forward because I think every Bengals fan is super excited, not just for the product, if you want to call it that. I hate calling things product. Uh, on the field, the team is doing well, which really, really helps. But the transformation that you and Elizabeth and the social team have managed to engender and get going and kickstart, is that fair to say? It's always been there in my book, but it seems to, you seem to turbocharge it. Would that be a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think a lot of what we've done over the past two years is we've brought more people in-house and just add it to the resources to allow us to do more. And so I think that there were moments where we were able to shine in the past, but now people are really taking notice because we're able to do it more often and you add in uh, winning some games and all of a sudden it becomes very high profile. Some of the things that we're working on. And so I think it's, I think we have found our voice and our personality and I think that is also what has really resonated in terms of our social media presence is we're able to be self-aware and make fun of ourselves at times when you need to do that. And other times just produce really good content that all football fans can enjoy. And so I think that's really been something that's been fun to watch the past two years to really see kind of a vision come to life and uh, people really take notice. Um. As listeners will know, we had Elizabeth on and she's terrific. The energy from that woman is just, you know, infectious. Um, and she's been handling engagement. From your side of things, I know that you will work together. Um, what, what, what did you want to achieve from a, a PR and communications point of view? Yeah, I think right now I was just telling somebody that the locker room that we have right now is probably my favorite from top to bottom, both personality wise, as well as on the field in terms of performance. And I think being able to showcase all of our players 
And what makes this locker room so strong and this team so strong is something that I think is a real focus of us this year is, you know, there's always going to be the stars of the team, but I think showing that there's a bunch of players that are contributing to the success and how we tell those stories and whether they're features that we're putting together for our Bengals weekly program, whether it's outside media and working on getting them on good morning football or some of the other shows, or whether it's just fun clips through Mike Dups. I think that's something that has really been a focus this year is to, to really showcase the personalities. And I think, you know, our media talks a lot about how without the open locker rooms, some things are, are a little bit more difficult in terms of the access due to COVID. And so I think the more that we can kind of showcase what I get to see on a daily basis in that locker room and really show that people really are buying into what this team is building. And I think that's what we're really trying to achieve this year. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's a lovely thing to hear that you care uh, so passionately and are emotionally invested in these guys in the locker room uh, that you want to give them some love and you want to shout about it. And 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 I, I do do think that sometimes it's not insulting, but you know when when the national media, the the US national media, and you smile when you say that, when I say that, but you know they they've been calling the defense. Hey, look, they're a bunch of no names, and it's kind of like, well, DJ Reed is kind of top five in his position. He's not a no name. Trey Hendrickson got thirteen and a half sacks last year, um, but is that can that be turned into a positive? Um, that kind of lack of the big stars, so to speak. Yeah, I think our defense this year is incredibly impressive. And as I was talking to a national reporter that had, you know, called me and they pitched me a story on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And I'm like, I have tons of pitches for those. But if you want to do a story, I was like, let's talk through different angles. And I was like, our defense is very interesting. And it had just come after some national media had made a comment about free agents and not wanting to come to Cincinnati. And I'm like, look at our past two free agent classes. I'm like, we've signed some of the biggest names out there. Um, and, and that's, what's kind of right now starting to lead the charge on this defense. And so, you know, I think Logan Wilson is coming along. Jesse Bates is obviously spectacular. And so it's both a combination of guys that we've drafted, Sam Hubbard, um, in addition to bringing in some of the free agent talent. And while we all know the names and they're big names and, you know, we think very highly of them, I think there is something about the defense that is such a collective effort that really is what is clicking on all cylinders right now that's impressive. Mm, absolutely couldn't agree more and just to wrap this up Emily um, it's been a whirlwind these past couple of years and no more so than this past off season new uniforms ring of honor you know all this kind of stuff um, what's what's been what's been your favorite initiative to to work on yeah this off season has probably been unlike any other. And so I would say it started in January when we knew we were going to get new uniforms and trying to figure out how we were going to announce that we were getting new uniforms. And we that was didn't the- leak that by the way, we did not leak that. If, <laughs> if, don't believe any of that. The only surprise that we got off without a leak was the, was the announcement that we were getting new uniforms. Mm. Then after that, there was the leak around the, um, ring of honor. Then there was the leak of the uniforms. Then just when you think you get to uniform launch day, your counterparts, not you, but some other folks in the UK, uh, literally one hour before we were supposed to go live, 
But I think all of that was an example of rolling with the punches, knowing that in the grand scheme of life, people are going to remember the big moments. And even though some of those leaks happened and, you know, they were hard to, to swallow on our end of, gosh, you want everything to go so perfect. And in some ways, some of the stuff got ahead of us in other ways, you just got to make the best of it. And I think that's that's kind of what my favorite part of this offseason was, is even at the times when there were things that got out, we were still able to have fun with it. And I think the way that the Ring of Honor came together was such a special night for all of the people involved. And so I think, you know, it's been a fun off season. It was a busy off season, I think, but now seeing the new uniforms and the praise that everybody sees now that you can see all the combinations and how great they look on the field and on TV, seeing how well the ring of honor went off from an execution standpoint in the inaugural class and kind of excited to see where that goes from, from here. And um, just the game day environment right now, the we've had full stadiums and we're going to continue to have full stadiums. Um, and I think fans are noticing just how much that energy exists in Paul Brown stadium this year. And it feels different. And I think that that's been another fun, you know, experience is just to watch all the, all the off season meetings that we had with all of our ideas just come to light and, and really see how fun, fun it is. Um, we'll wrap this up in a second. Thank you so much for the time, Emily. It's always appreciated. And thank you for your support as well um, over the years. Um, it's been great to have, have your assistance from time to time. Um, what's next? What have you got planned? I mean, I'm not fishing for exclusives, but if you want to drop one now, that'd be great. But no, I mean, have you got other plans to kind of, you know, you've done all this stuff. It's amazing. The fans are fully engaged now. I think you've, You've achieved what you set out to do. Where do you take it now? Yeah, I think right now it's really building on what we've started so far. And I think with a, a team that is exciting and, you know, like I said, lots of personalities and winning is now that we've got the plans in place. It's really just capitalizing on all of that and building on the energy and continuing to get fans excited about this team growing our fan base and really, you know, just showing people that this is a fun team to watch and they should really get excited about it. And so that's basically for the rest of this season, what our focus is, is, is really building excitement around the team and doing everything we can to, to keep this winning streak rolling. Well, we'll do our best to shout as loud as we can from over here as well, but thank you, Emily, for the time. And thank you for everything that you do. I think, as I say, you've seen the reaction from Bengals fans. They love how open the players are and how fun they are. And thank you for the, putting them in that environment to, to tell their stories. So, Emmy, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, there we go. A huge thank you to Emily there. And uh, some really nice memories from 2016 in the Admiralty. And and just a reminder what it's all about. And I think the meet our meet-up last week as well is, is kind of remind you what this is all about. Yes, it's... <laughs> about you know watching games and having fun and enjoying it while it's winning but we, you can't beat going to a meetup can you um and meeting everyone and, and enjoying everyone's companies and making friends and all the rest of it really 
hundred percent. And it's only magnified when you're winning as well. And I think that's the brilliant thing at the moment. Not only was that meetup fantastic against the Lions last week, but you know, I could bet for everyone in the stadium and everyone that's going to that Jets game. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind uh, spending a few quid to be on the tailgate um, next week for that Jets game because everyone's going to be absolutely loving it at the moment and it perfectly feeds into all the great work that Emily and the team there are doing to make the game day experience more um, more involved, more immersive, more fun. And like you said, it's not almost not a difficult job when they're 5-2 and two playing like they are at the moment. And what I thought was interesting, uh, Emily's coming at it from a slightly different point of view because she and she put a real emphasis uh, by saying that... Um, you know, it's her mission to tell these guys' stories, to bring, you know, your Cheetos and your CJs and your Burrows and your and your DJ readers to, to to us, the fans, and make sure we know their stories and and make sure we know what fine, likable young gentlemen they are, uh, and as well as absolute beasts on the on the football field. You know what I mean? So I think I think it there has been a bit of a sea change there, and I like. Uh, I mean, Cheeto's been brilliant just on and off the field. He's a real star, I think. And I love the Nigerian outfits that he wears in post-match interviews. You know, CJ's wearing Prince, you know, Purple Rain tribute outfits on away days. They all come across as really good fun in the interviews. I mean, yeah, if you're a PR person, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you want to shout from the rooftops about these guys? You know, it's it's fantastic. 100% and the characters make the team and I think more now than ever with social media platforms and all the rest of the media that's out there it's easier to get to know these people and the personalities and stuff and we are lucky to have some good characters on the team and that's something that Zach's talked about and I was thinking about this earlier he preaches this culture thing and I think for the first year or two you almost got a bit sick of the word of this culture that he's trying to build and it's stuff you like look we just want some results here like you know <laughs> sod the culture almost but yeah to be fair to him, he has created a great bunch of lads, and there's a lot of good leaders on that team that are playing well, and the sort of guys that you want to have on a football team that you're going to sort of are going to fight hard and behind the scenes are good guys, and that hang out beyond you know outside of outside of the locker room, and have really built up some strong chemistry. So again, fair play is exactly what you're looking for. Absolutely right. Uh, before we get to your correspondence, obviously it's going to be a slightly longer. Uh, episode this week but hopefully you don't care because you just want to listen to Bengals content and we're happy to supply that to you just a shout out to Rachel and Paul Croft who uh, are getting married I think this coming week they're promising a Bengals themed wedding so Rachel and Paul if you're listening uh, do send us some photographs and I, course, I saw on the on the hmm. Bengals group someone say that uh, uh, Rachel and Paul were getting married, and we should uh, maybe do a shout out for it. And I thought maybe maybe <laughs> you were up to something behind the scenes, son. I thought maybe no. you know you, you'd, you'd hit hit jackpot with a lady called Rachel, but I'm afraid um, not. Um, well, no, no, no jackpots this end. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> And also, we do have announced a meetup, another meetup, Sunday, November the twenty-eighth, in Sheffield at the Red Deer Pub. Uh, we'll be watching the Bengals beat the Pittsburgh Steelers live on a big screen. Uh, Red Deer is a fantastic little pub in Sheffield. We've had a couple of meetups there before, so do try and come if you're in the area. You couldn't make the London one. I hope you saw all the photographs and how much fun. It is to get together uh, as Bengals fans and watch a game. So, um, 
yeah, we've got another one in the pipeline. Obviously, we'll be watching the COVID guidelines, and uh, if they change at all, we will let you know. But as it stands, Sunday, November the 28th, in Sheffield, at the Red Deer, 5.30, come down. Uh, right, let's get to your uh, correspondence, shall we? Uh, there's a lot, and I can't go to all of them, or else we will be here for three hours. Uh, slam dunk, slam dunk the funk. Um, Solid handle. To be honest, Paul and Nathan, I'm a little bit disappointed. For the past two weeks, in the fourth quarter, I've had to watch our backups with no drama, no shenanigans. This isn't what I signed up for. Give me more. I effing love it and long may it continue. Who effing day? Go on, him. Yes. Uh, Jamie at Truck Heart Beast. My head felt like a metal can full of firecrackers this morning, but it was really worth it. What a night. What a team. This is turning into something big. Offense and defense dominating. Bring on the Jets. Andrew Dockerell at Dockers 77. What a night. The Makari injury was a huge changing point, but still amazing, and the offence finally ignited. Uh, Jets followed by banged-up Browns at home, Raiders off a bye, Squealers at home, dare we say 9-2, and 8-3. and three. Oh, here he goes. What's he drinking? Amazing star, but all about how we go from here. Agree, but he's right. We could. Yeah. We are capable of doing that, I have to say. I think it's really interesting because it, it's a di- different game now for the Bengals because it's woken everyone up and it's woken up the press. It's woken up the people on Twitter. I think everyone's going to be looking at their power rankings this week. The Bengals are going to be in the top 10 of every single one. They might crack a couple of top fives. And it's going to be for the Bengals interesting, playing with expectation. People are going to be looking at them now. They're going to say, right, the Bengals should absolutely hammer the Jets this week. They might be the favourites for the Browns game. You know, all of a sudden, it's a slightly different expectation. It's not, all oh, we want to win a few games because we haven't won any games for three or four years. It's like, actually, we want to make the playoffs now. And all of a sudden, when you make the playoffs, we haven't won a playoff game since 1990, so we want to win. So it's a different challenge now for the Bengals. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond to it because they're getting all the plaudits. Everyone's celebrating Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Zach Taylor's got getting all the pats on the backs and rightly so. But it's going to be different for them now because now there's expectation. We should beat the Raiders. We should beat the Browns, you know, with their injury situation. God, we have to beat the Jets. I mean, I think me, you Dockers, Dadders and a couple of the guys from Bengals UK could maybe have a go against the Jets this week. So I really do think that it's going to be interesting for the Bengals to now go in and win these games they're expected to win. And all of a sudden that seven and nine win target, I think is going to go up to nine, 10, 11 wins Mm. based on the way they're playing at the moment, which is excellent. But with it comes responsibility. Duncan, audacity, Duncan. Solid handle. A lot of talk will be about the offence, who are excellent, but massive praise should go to the defence. The Bengal pumpkin at Dorset Bengal. I'm certainly glad it's half-term, feeling much brighter than my mate Ian, who is a die-hard Ravens fan. It's easy, the mo- it's easily the most complete performance under Zach. Odat at DZE. I feel a bit nonplussed by that game. A fantastic result and not one I saw coming. Made all the better by doing it in their own nest. We're on the box seat and uh, I don't sense any complacency with these players. If the coaching stays at this level, we're odds on for the playoffs. Uh, Right, Matt Moon. Matt Moon, the Ravens had 16 players on uh, injured reserve, but we made them look like it, which is still impressive, taking into account how good Lamar is. The next step is to beat an almost fully fit contender when we get the chance. 
Uh, also, I'm happy for friend of the show, Zach Taylor. He said he's had to make a lot of tough post-game speeches to get to this point. So glad to see his work start to pay off. I'm glad he's our head coach. Um, Rob Hill uh, at 3003. Over the next few seasons, we UK fans will have to get used to being joined by loads more as the Bengals become box office and popular. Burrow and Chase will raise our profile sky high. I'm going to enjoy pointing out that I love them when they weren't great. I mean, I welcome all these bandwagoners, I must say. Um, this is what our mission is, to grow the community over here. But So more more, more people, the better. Donnie at Ippy Dawn, chuffed to pieces, bouncing off the walls, watching out, watching that, sorry. Um, Dan Waite at DNKW, adjusting to the pressure the Ravens' defence put on us. It was tricky in the first quarter, but we seemed to manage it pretty well thereafter. Who day? Who day, Dan? Um, uh, Pete Brook, what a win. Hats off to every single player, but I want to congratulate the coaching staff more. They out-coached Harbour, Wink, etc., and their team fave, uh, and the team gave up, I should say, 10 minutes to go. Uh, Dave Cass come at Come On Didier. Solid handle. Without doubt, our best performance for an awful long time. To quote from the Belichick mantra, everyone did their job. Brilliant, just brilliant. Um, BB at Bengals Bluebird said defence as a whole is becoming a top 10 unit. Sam Reeve at Johnny Prong. Um, incredible team performance. And listen pre-game to your slot on UK podcast Ravens podcast pool. One of their guys said they were gunning for our O-line. Thought our D is definitely uh, targeting Ravens line then. And bar a few Lamar scrambles, the defence had a field day. Who day? James at Baggett Disco. Solid um, handle. Our defence is elite. Game changed when their tackle got injured. Much more pressure from Hubbard afterwards. Begs the question, do you think we could do with another pass rusher? Uh, being uh, being bought in via trade or otherwise difficult one, isn't it? And... Ooh, I like I like this question, Sam. I mean, that, I I was mm. going to ask that because the trade deadline I think is coming up. I think maybe is the second or the fifth of November, something like that. So in about a week or two. Uh, it's a bit like baseball, isn't it? Now it's like, do the Bengals look at this and say, well, we're five and two here. Do we give up a late round pick or whatever to go and strengthen this team because we genuinely think we can, can compete this year? Or do we say, well, actually, we've still got Joe Boy, Jamar Chase in rookie contracts. Let's keep those draft picks and keep building it up for next year, the year after. I, what would you say to that? I always find it tricky. Half of me kind of said, don't upset the balance or the, the, the locker room chemistry. Um, but then it's like good teams just keep adding. If they think they can win good teams, like the Ravens have done in the past, like the Steelers in the past, um, you know, Kansas City are always doing it, New England as well. Um, there's an argument for it. But, you know, we do get our side back. And just imagine, he might be ready for the playoffs if if we indeed get there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation, I think. Um, Sean at Disciple of Ange. Solid handle. Brace yourself, boys. The day will come very soon when we're all judged as glory hunters or bandwagoners, and I absolutely can't wait for it. Maybe we should get a T-shirt, a bandwagoner T-shirt. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got tweets from Ross at Nosy Render, Peter Danswell at Dadders, Aurelius at Aurelius FC, 
Um, but there's, uh, there's been some there's been some shocking handles that I've missed out on tonight because you've been going too quickly. But next week, I'm going to be back <laughs> okay. with them. Some shocking handles in there. Stu Davis, credit to whoever moved CJ Uzama through the gears to become the player he has. Third string under Marvin. I thought he might have got rid of him, but someone somewhere has made him a player. Also, on-screen graphics on my stream listed him as Christopher Uzama all night. Uh, that's quite amusing. <laughs> Uh, Northern Bengal. Say his name, Christopher. I don't know. It could be. Uh, I don't know. I want to know what CJ stands for. If CJ is Christopher John or something. Yeah. Um, um, Northern Bengal at Bengal Stewart has been a he's been a loyal fan since 1979. He says this team feels different in a good Oof. way. Um, Matthew, our Matt, says, I owe Zach Taylor an apology. Uh, Matt Gibbs at Wakey Ram is delighted. Andy Bennett says it's... Uh, Bennett Carew says it's a complete... Solid handle. ...team performance. Um, Phil Every Hatt, geezer and his dogs messaging tonight. I know, now, but you're, you're I, still feel, going I feel some. obligated to mention everyone as, as much as I can. Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. This is the last Solid one. Solid handle. We're on our way to Sheffield. We shall not be moved, just like a team that's going to win a playoff game. Oof. So no doubt we'll be seeing Phil in Sheffield. I can't wait for that. I haven't seen Phil for a while. Um, so there we go. Thanks so much for all your correspondences. Uh, everyone's obviously delighted. Um, you can get us throughout the week uh, at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook, and Bengals underscore UK on the old Instagram so do get in touch and keep in touch. I think, uh, well, it could be quite a fun couple of weeks. Um, the Jets this week, as you say, we're, I think we're sort of 10-point favourites already, which is unheard of for, for us. But you've got it without Zach Wilson. I, you've got to I say mean, we're a, we're a, we should win that game. Um, I don't know if that makes it easier, though. Do you know what I mean? It's like with Zach Wilson, he's been struggling a lot. I'm not sure if this new geezer that's coming in behind him necessarily improves or... Um, reduces our chances, really. It's a slightly odd one, but I don't think there's been a game where we've been a 10-point favourite or felt that big of a favourite for years. I mean, we, I mean, good Lord, you've got to beat the Jets at home, haven't you? The way we've been playing recently, it'd be, it'd be absolute... I, I mean, I wouldn't say it'd be a disaster because that's being a bit dramatic at being 5-3, and three, even if we lost, but it would be a, a huge surprise, I'd say, if we couldn't... If we couldn't turn them over, the Jets. I just think if we can be smart, sensible, keep people healthy, keep Joe Boy upright, you'd you'd back yourself to have enough quality on both sides of the ball to to slow them down. I mean, I'd be I just can't see how they're going to score more than seventeen points on our defence, and I just can't see how Joe Boy, Mixon, Chase, you know, T Higgins, if he can play a bit better, could, how we wouldn't be able to put twenty or thirty up on them at home. Do you know what mm, I mean? Mm. No, absolutely. I'm with you. I, I can't see a Jets win at all. I can't see a way for them to win just the way we're playing, but we have to keep the foot on the pedal. I don't want this to be another team that just gives us the odd moment here and there, the odd fantastic victory. I want this. I want consistency now because I think they have the yes. talent. They do have the talent to become a playoff team. Uh, but the key is concentration, focus, motivation, all those kind of things. Um we should be all right. We should be all right. Anyway, we will be back 
uh, with our online tailgate on Sunday, on Halloween, October 31st. Um, and I believe it's a bit of an earlier start. I've got to check this because I always get this wrong. Yeah, five o'clock, Sam. Yeah, that's right. So we will be starting, I believe, at half past three in the afternoon uh, uh, for a couple of weeks until the, the Americans catch up with their daylight savings thing. Um but yeah, uh, I can't wait for for Sunday, and then of course we've got the Browns the week after. So we just keep on rolling. Thank you so much for listening. It's a Who Day from me. Out a Who Day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organization. <laughs>